So we have a two-sided referral scheme that incentivizes our active audiences to you know, get in their friend and family who might be interested in the product. We found that, at least for a product that is in the early stages, this is definitely one of the best predictors of you know, how it will perform in the future. If you have that golden cohort slash core audience that you know, really loves your product, willing to give you feedback on it, also invite their friend and family to it, that is a very encouraging sign. How do you grow when you're already giant? Hello and welcome to Mobile Heroes Uncensored. Today, we're chatting with the VP of Growth for a true giant. This company has 550 million monthly users. Pretty sure that's a very short list of companies globally that hit that size. They spend 128 billion monthly minutes. That's about 250,000 years of time every single month. And of course, they also have 67 billion monthly page views. Peggy, who are we chatting with today? A giant, John. Massive. <laughs> Mental giant. <laughs> Mental giant. Because it's everything. This is a company that has it all, literally. And we're going to be talking to Vivek Giotra. He is Vice President of Growth Marketing at Times Internet. That is the company. He himself, an accomplished marketing leader with a proven track record, accelerating growth for world-class companies. His experience is across three continents with diverse cross-cultural teams at companies including Machine Zone, 21st Century Fox, and Elevate Labs. And as a person and an individual, he has a strong background in building companies and teams from the ground up. That's why he has a laser focus now at Times Internet doing exactly that. And that is the global giant, John. Internet, entertainment, soon to come fintech, but I won't go there. That's going to give it all away because he is currently launching a new fintech product for immigrants and scaling international expansion for the Times Group worldwide, the entire portfolio of global businesses. You've got a lot on your plate. Welcome, Vivek. Thank you, Peggy and John. It's uh... A pleasure to be here and, and really appreciate the kind words. Uh, I've myself been you know, following both of you in the mobile circuit and community for a while now. So it's uh, really awesome to be able to connect on a platform like this one. Wonderful. Well, we're super happy to have you. And we got to get a little more information on this company. Clearly, it's huge and immensely popular in one of the most populous nations on the planet, but maybe not as well known everywhere else. What is Times Internet? Give us the snapshot. Sure. So Times Internet is the digital arm of the Times Group, which has nothing to do with the New York Times, but it is a privately owned 200 year old media group in, based out of India. It started out with the Times of India newspaper 200 odd years ago during the British era. Uh, which, by the way, is still the world's largest English daily. And, you know, from then on, it branched out into other forms of media, TV, radio, film, digital, and so on. Uh, we also have a presence in the U.S. through different entities. One is the U.S. sales team. Early stage, we see arm called Brand Capital Worldwide, which does very interesting media for equity deals. A late stage equity arm called Times Bridge, and then a special ops team, which includes people like me that work on projects that are really focused on 
the international audience. So it's a massive media company and there's tons of brands and there's a lot of different components there. You're now diversifying as Peggy kind of hinted at into FinTech. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the combination of the two is more complementary than you think. So one is that we're in 2022. So the last decade was the decade of building in FinTech, right? All the underlying pipes and technologies, they got modernized, they have become APIs and you literally have companies that are built on, you know, BAS platform, which is banking as a service. So from a pure product standpoint, there's actually very little, you know, that can be uh, offered as a differentiation. So where you see FinTech heading to nowadays is more of a affinity marketing route. So you have examples like First Boulevard, which is a, a new bank that is focused on the black community. You have Daylight, which is a new bank that is focused on the LGBTQ population. So uh, these are, you know, the differentiators that are coming across to create that viable proposition in the fintech space. And this is where we think that our brand, the Times brand, with, which has you know 200 year old history and goodwill amongst the South Asian population, has a immense chance of succeeding. The second is CAC. We know fintech is a brutal space. Like you know, any of the major neobanks are paying close to two hundred dollars per you know first deposit at this point. So any leg up that you can get on the distribution aspect gives you a very uh, asymmetrical competitive advantage. And given that we have the distribution built in, that really helps us to subsidize our CAC and you know make us much more viable in the space. And the third thing is just, you know, nailing specific use cases, because this is an audience that we know intimately. We, because of our existing media properties, because of the product that we have uh, at present, we know their behaviors, their mentality. So we are very confident that we can nail the specific use cases and what they might find useful from a new bank. That's very interesting because you're seeing, in a sense, the content they're interacting with as Times Internet. So you know what they're interested in. Um, you're talking about affinity against South Asian audiences. So that's the audience for the app, but you've also done some research into expats, particularly in the US. What's a top finding you can share there? Let me, let me answer this in, in two parts, right? So the first is just a little bit uh, more on the audience, right? So there's 32 million Indians outside India. If you expand the definition loosely to South Asians, because you know they're culturally they're very similar. That gives you almost forty-five million people that are outside the subcontinent. So that's a, a significant audience. And the app, as it stands right now, it's called Times Club. It's it, it takes the form of a rewards app, where if you transact with brands that are you know very culturally relevant to you, in terms of you know fashion, groceries, uh, streaming services, and so on, you, know, you get your rewards and so on. And the way the funnel works is that we actually ask them to link their bank account or credit card via plaid. So that gives us really deep insight into the past purchase behavior. So this is where we kind of started out to see if this concept does have any legs or not. But you know, our ambitions are bigger. So we are trying to branch out into a financial super app. So what if you look at a macro standpoint, the first stage was how do we get a look into their wallet? So that is by connecting their existing card or bank account. The second is how do we get a share of the wallet, which is by 
establishing this direct relationship and trust with them, getting them to transact on the one-off offers uh, and so on. The third stage, which we're heading into, how do we become the wallet? And so I think that is the kind of pathway we're moving towards. And you know, towards this end, we conducted a lot of interesting research involving ethnographic studies, you know, full-on customer immersion. And there's uh, some really interesting data that comes across, right? From a more demographic standpoint, you know, we found that this audience has 2x the median household income in, in the US. So, you know, this is a very different audience from the Chime and you know, the day where, you know, they need protection from you know, overdraft fees and so on. They're also 70% more likely to have an advanced degree. So again, a very high, highly educated network audience. We did some deeper research, which also go into psychographics. And I think that is uh, the really insightful piece for me is that three really key points emerge from here. So one is there's this concept of, you know, blending in versus standing out. You know, immigrants who used to come to the USA 40, 50 years ago, they would congregate in their own looks and corner there, you know, the Chinatown, little India, uh, whereas now, the newer migrant doesn't feel the need to hide in you know, that comfortable familiarity, but they're okay with just being themselves amongst the new cultural background. I think the second is also this concept of a, a siloed versus hybrid identity. You know, for someone like me who's been out of the country for you know more than a decade, right? I feel too foreign for America, but I'm also too alien for India at this point because I'm <laughs> lit. tough. So, mm -hmm. so this creates this sort of amalgamation and you know, at, a, at a very deep core identity level that you kind of belong to two places at once, but you still don't necessarily belong anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the third thing is this concept of repression versus expression. You know, the initial stereotype of, for example, South Asian was this, you know, nerdy engineers who you know had really difficulty had difficulty communicating and you know now we're in this era where the ceos of the biggest tech companies are you know all from subcontinent and you know they're mm -hmm. it's a very different diaspora in terms of both demographics and psychographics and that's what we're so excited about is that you know there's a huge opportunity here if you can build something that speaks to them from a you know, product and a marketing standpoint. What a super interesting mobile heroes uncensored we're having. Uh, usually we're going deep yeah. into the details of uh, marketing, mobile apps, and maybe CPMs, maybe uh, in-app purchases, maybe many other things, ad monetization, whatever the case might be. And we're going to get to some of that stuff because that is really critical and important. But what we're also getting treated to here is kind of an insider's viewpoint into Hmm, building an experience, building a product, tailoring it to an audience, understanding an audience deeply, all of maybe the more traditional marketing stuff, which is absolutely critical to building something that has long-term success. Getting back I'd to add some one of the... thing to it, John. I'd, I have to add one thing to it that's even more exciting. Even more? Even more exciting, because I'm thinking about this the whole time, and he's talking about a population that is significant and is transnational. Mm -hmm. And I've also been talking to some companies who are saying, for example, um, 
Philippines, right? The Filipinos, they live in 120 countries around the world. Yes. Wouldn't it be great to have an app that speaks to all of them? Because it's a, it's a different type of audience. So it is exciting mm -hmm. to find out more about the motivations of an audience because it's without borders. It's without limits. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Cool. Now, coming back a little bit more to some of the stuff that we typically talk about on Mobile Heroes Uncensored, you come from the gaming world. Machine Zone is on your resume, a few other companies mm -hmm. like that. I always had a huge respect for Machine Zone. I think they're one of the first companies to really crack growth at scale via mobile mechanics. Mm -hmm. What translates from that world to what you're doing right now? I think gaming is great because you're always on the bleeding edge of performance marketing. You know, unless you have the virality of, you know, Fortnite, games will live and die by performance marketing. So it's almost an existential, you know, threat over there. If you do not succeed at performance marketing, you will die. <laughs> so I think the three main, I would say, transferable skills that I, you know, I've taken from there is one really the a deep technical understanding of the mobile, you know, MarTech stack and infrastructure. You know, I, from a time in Machine Zone, I was actually part of the crew that discovered click injections and you know, we recovered more than, you know, $3 million in fraud from different vendors. I'm part of four patents in mobile fraud myself. So that was just an amazing time to be, you know, a part of the ecosystem because really got deep into attribution clicks and how the entire endpoints, how they interact with each other, how the, how the bad actors are taking advantage through different malware and so on. So that has definitely served me well as I moved on to other companies and, and gone to slightly more senior roles from then on. The second kind of related is just the analytical rigor. I think as performance marketers and from gaming are going to different companies, they bring with them this really deep analytical rigor of how do we create a hypothesis, how do we conduct a test, how do we decide when enough is enough, and how do we just keep moving from there. Uh, and the third is this is philosophy of, you know, constant iteration. You're never fully done. But that is something which I've you know, taken from my gaming days. But also interestingly, life has kind of come full circle for me because I started out my career on the ad agency side in, in Ogilvy, uh, which is part of the you know, WPP group. And in my role here, I'm taking care of you know, brand UA as well as lifecycle marketing. So in, in a kind of nice way, it, it brought together the whole left brain, right brain skill sets from my past experience into this new brand that we're trying to build. Love it. So you're bringing the analytical rigor, as you put it, but you also have a deep understanding of your audience from your research, from just understanding your audience, the South Asian audience, and you want to give them a borderless experience. Tell me how you're approaching this. Uh, that's a great question because, you know, we often talk about these positioning statements and they, they just seem like, you know, mumbo jumbo or, you know, fluffy marketing as uh, <laughs> we like to call it in. Uh, performance. So I think the the positioning of borderless is very deliberate for us. So this kind of comes alive in two different forms. One is from a pure product level, right? So what transforms into borderless experience for this audience? So things like seamless money transfer 
and this could be even using crypto rails in the background, right? You could have joint accounts with the family back home so that they, they could just effectively spend from your account using a card. There are a lot of students who come from South Asia to the US and they can't get a credit card because they don't have a social security number. So what if you use their credit scores from you know their back home and give them some sort of a credit card or bank account here that they can kind of start using to build up their credit score as soon as they land in the country. So creating that truly borderless experience for the expat comes alive in the product in that way. So that is more literal. The second is a little bit more metaphorical. So that that's where the marketing comes in. And this isn't you know, fully fleshed out yet, but where I'm trying to go is create this sense of nostalgia and appreciation for the past. At the same time, the sense of optimism and ambition for the future. So trying to kind of bridge your past and, and your future in a way that really resonates emotionally with this audience. Wow. That is really, really cool. And you can imagine that actually working with different audiences as well. Um, You can imagine that working, you mentioned the Philippines, right, Peggy? And I'm sure there's other nations that have large audiences of expats. I bet you there's a lot of Americans all over the world. Um, And and so, of course, you're going to go with the audience that you are first targeting and do that, but it might be extensible. As you go on that path, user acquisition, client acquisition is, of course, very, very critical. How are you feeling the funnel? That's a great question. And that is obviously a a lot of my energy is always focused on on answering this one. So the first is really building a really strong incentive funnel and the the key factor, as, as we call it. So we have a two-sided referral scheme that incentivizes our active audiences to you know, get in their friend and family as well who might be interested in the product. You now we've we found that uh, at, at least for a product that is in the early stages, this is definitely one of the best predictors of you know how it will perform in the future. If you have that golden cohort slash core audience that you know really loves your product, was willing to give you feedback on it, also invite their friend and family. To it, that is a very encouraging sign. The, the second is, you know, given that we're aiming for a very narrow audience, right? We have to be agile with our media selection because some of the traditional, you can't simply just set a campaign on Facebook or Google and, you know, sleep on it. So things like direct mail, for all the people who cried themselves hosts about, you know, data, brokering, et cetera, on digital, you'd be shocked as to the granularity of data that you have available on you know, direct mail in terms of household level uh, <laughs> incomes and you know, what they do, their purchases, their possessions, and so on. So I think when you're approaching an audience with such a narrow filter, you just have to be a little bit more agile with how, how you choose, where do you choose to spend your money? There's, there's one more thing I do want to highlight before, uh, you know, is the third is what we call crosswalk. Given that we have a media empire backing us, right? How do we funnel users from those entities, you know, to Times Club or whatever the new brand will be? And that can be in the form of just pure media media buying on these properties, but it's also taking the form of product integration where we are actually integrating ourselves into the paywalls 
of some of these products and incentivizing them to you know sign up for this app amazing amazing and and it was interesting because you mentioned off the top you know fintech sometimes they have 200 cost of customer acquisition mm -hmm. you've got some money to play with and maybe some old school things like direct mail makes some sense mm -hmm. love it absolutely love it and a content company to back you that's not bad because <laughs> i'm just thinking you know a lot of that yeah. can work through, as you said, advertising or working into the paywall, you could imagine, oh, you really like this content, you can subscribe and here is Times Club or whatever it's going to be called. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you're doing a ton and you also have to educate your users about the app, the features, the functionality. You're an early launch, correct, Vivek? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's early days, but you want to get them excited. How do you educate them? To be honest, this is still an evolving piece because the bank as such is launching in, in three months time. The way we're trying to you know, get people excited about this, we have a wait list you know, within the product itself. So that gives us some early signals as to how many people would be even interested in a product like this. And we keep rotating different features in there that just to test out you know, what specific use cases might resonate with people. A large part of our time since we're kind of building this out has been focused on you know, the basic product, getting the you know marketing infrastructure in place. And I'm currently working on a rebrand as well, which should be done in a month or so. Once that is done, we have you know a lot of assets to leverage. For example, you know, timesofindia.com itself has 10 million MAUs from the US. So that you know that is a, a massive audience that we can use to advantage. Uh, Ghana, which is the Spotify of India, has a million users in the US as well. And that is an example of where we're creating this paywall as integration, where if you sign up for TimeSub, you get six months you know, of Ghana free. Uh, similarly, we have Willow TV, which is a cricket streaming service based, uh, based in, in the US. And you know, that is again owned by the Times Group. So apart from that, we have a lot of other you know, you know, radio stations, et cetera. So the way I see this is we, build out the brand we create sort of a mainstream messaging we use the might of the existing media empire to you know, create that brand messaging then we use ua as a demand capture mechanism and then we use the internal crosswalk piece to subsidize the you know cacs on facebook google which inevitably you know will be on the higher side it's a very scientific approach. Uh, it's a very interesting approach, and yet it's also a very emotional and people-centered approach. I love a lot about it, and it sounds super interesting. Let's end here. We always ask our experts that we interview for their top three tips. Uh, what are your top three tips for mobile marketers in the fintech space? Oof, top three tips is always a dangerous territory. How do we'll I take not? One, uh, how do... Good one. <laughs> but if you got three, we'll take no. three. I can give you three. I'm just, uh, I want to make sure I don't sound like a cliche here. So I think the first one I would say is this may sound counterintuitive, right? But if you're starting out, do, do what works, right? Like if you see that competitors are getting success through affiliate marketing, then don't be a hero. You know, do affiliate marketing first, get your, you know, basic influx of users, see how they perform within the product, and then you can, you know, do your cycles and iterate from there on. Like if you're trying to get some alpha and, you know, use TikTok 
when it hasn't worked for anybody in this category, then I think you're just setting yourself up for failure. I think the second thing I would say is find your edge, right? So for a chime, it was something as simple as you get your paycheck two days early. Now for uh, Dave, their thing was, hey, we'll never charge you any overdraft fees. And that became their you know, calling card for all of their creators and their uh, campaigns. So you need to kind of find like, what is that specific edge that your product offers to your audience and just hammer, just hammer on it. Once you find something that works, just like go all in on that. Uh, and the third thing is, you know, obviously we uh, have to monitor retention closely, right? Because you want to see it as, as your cohorts move to the funnel and uh, you want to see your retention curve flatlining at some point. That is when you know that you've reached some level of product market fit, and then you can assume your, you know, see your payback period, assume lifetime value, and see how that works out with your unit economics. So that is something you need to monitor really carefully as you're launching a new app. Well, Peggy, I said we'd take one really good one. I think we got three really good ones. I like, I like the last one best, actually. You know, flatlining retention is a good thing. But I love that because it does show the product market fit. I also have to say huge thanks for telling us more about affinity marketing as well, Vivek. And if I want to learn more about this, I can imagine others do as well. So where can other people find out more from you, about you? What's the best way? So you know, I have a large digital footprint. You can find me on Twitter at Ray Girotra. And I'll also be giving a talk on the subject at MAU this year. So mm -hmm. if anyone watching or attending, it would be awesome to see you there and connect as well. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Vivek. It's been a real pleasure. You know, it has been a real pleasure. It's, you know, it's not just another interview with another person who's talking about something. There's some depth no. there. There's some really interesting things that you're doing and there's some really cool ways that you're doing it. Thank you for sharing it on Mobile Heroes Uncensored. Thank you, John. Thank you, Peggy. It was an amazing conversation and I look forward to connecting more at some point. Absolutely. And I will do that on social. You will see me, Vivek. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. And thank you to all listeners. We really do appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying it. Let us know on social if you are. And let us know if you want to come and we'll have you on the show. If you're a mobile hero or you know of someone who is, then fill out the interest form over at shorturl.at forward slash JKSKT. Also, Liftoff has a Slack for mobile heroes and people in the mobile ecosystem. There's a link on the screen. And if you're listening to the podcast, it's at info.liftoff.io slash slack dash signup. It's pretty cool. There's smart people there. And you know what? They probably need you too. And you have probably been completely blown away by all the insights on this show and you want your transcript and you can have it because the transcripts are over at Liftoff's website. Go to liftoff.io, click on heroes and then click on podcast. I actually personally love transcripts because I read way faster than people talk. So that's a great way to get the insights really, really quickly. Until next time, this is John Katsir. Thank you so much for joining. And this is Peggy Ann Saltz signing off for Mobile Heroes Uncensored. <laughs>